Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. I'm here to tell you about Bowl & Branch Sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl & Branch Sheets get softer with every wash. They're made from the rarest organic cotton and designed to get softer over time. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order with code BUTTERY. So head to bollandbranch.com today. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. Hello, good evening and welcome to another Word in Your Ear. Uh, once again, we're starting early because, you know, as you, if you've been to one of these things in the past, you'll know that our, our solemn promise is that you'll be looking at the inside of your lids by about quarter to ten. Yeah? <laughs> by about quarter to eight. <laughs> <laughs> because we, you know, we don't have the stamina to go on any longer and you probably don't either. Um, but uh, thanks very much for coming particularly in the middle of the European Championship. Um, we got, we've got two turns this evening, two guests. Uh, in the second half of the evening, we've got Sylvia Patterson, who's talking about her, her book, I'm Not With The Band. But we start with, uh, with, for the first time in a word in your ear, uh, with a photographer. Uh, we're very fortunate to be joined by a very distinguished photographer, uh, who's Obviously, you're probably familiar with a lot of his pictures of, uh, of, of famous people, of which you're going to see a smattering. Uh, but also, I, I think it's fair to say that he first made his name by taking pictures of not-so-famous people, some of whom became kind of famous through his photography, because he, he observed at close quarters when nobody else did a scene where the audience were, to a certain extent, the stars. And... Uh, and, a, and a, a certain number of those pictures from that particular uh, phase are collected in this uh, terrific new book, Punk London 1977. Uh, would you please welcome Derek Ridges. So, Derek, let's, we're going to start with a bit of, bit of background, really, of how you got into photography. Because you didn't train as a photographer or anything like that. Is that no. fair to say? Yeah, no, it's completely fair. Um, yeah, I, hold your mic a bit closer. I wasn't interested in photography at all when I was young. Um, I went to art school in the 60s, and uh, we had photography lessons half a day a week. But I just wasn't interested... I wanted to be a painter in those days. And um, Did we all? <laughs> <laughs> um, things could have been so different had I been uh, accepted by the Slade or St. Martin's, which I wasn't. 
So how did you get into taking photographs of, of music? Well, I, I became an art director in an advertising agency or, or a series of advertising agencies. And I had a job um, for an agency called Maisie Mukherjee Russell in Camden Town, above the Plaza Cinema. And we had uh, an account um, for Miranda Cameras. 35mm camera, I haven't seen one around for years, so probably not still going, and the MD said to me um, you know, if I wanted to do write some good ads um, for the camera I should um, take one home and practice, and and you know, I thought, well it's fair enough, and um, so I started going out um, at weekends, sometimes photographing rusty cars, and Sunsets and the sort of That's things that <laughs> amateur photographers do. Is that, is that what they do? It's really. so rusty cars. I never thought yeah. of that one. Rusty old abandoned cars. Anything that know. looks poignant. Yeah, on bomb sites and stuff like that. I mean, this is still when there were bomb sites around. There, there aren't so many around in. So, when do we talk about here? Are we talk about the early seventies. No, this would be well, probably seventy three, seventy four. Yeah. So I started to take. Uh, um, a camera home and then my um, girlfriend and I, now wife um, went to the Rainbow to see the famous concert with um, Eric so, Clapton th- This was when he Pete just, Townsend That's right, and Clapton had been in a kind of heroin fug he had, for about yes. 18 months and that's no one right. had seen yeah. it yeah. And we had a, a seat when we got there, we were right at the back the very last row and um, I thought, I happened to have a camera with me and I rather unchivalrously left my girlfriend in her seat and I ran to the front and pretended to be a photographer just so I could get a bit closer. Well, you just leapt into the pit. Well, I don't think... I'm not sure that there was a pit, but... Um, it was a very high stage of the rainbow, wasn't it? Yeah, well, may, there may well have been. Um, right, OK. Cool. Um, but, you know, um, the thing was, there were, were a few photographers and I just ran down. In those days, there were really many uh, security guys to chuck you out. So if you look like you should be there, people just left you alone. And I probably shot uh, a roll or half a roll. And when I got home, I thought, well, I might as well get it processed. And I quite liked the pictures. I thought it gave me a kind of feeling of exuberance to be so close to people that were my heroes. So I started to do that more and more. So it's extraordinary that the first thing that you took a picture of is one of those rare concerts that is still quite remembered, yeah, isn't it? You know, yeah. that they, they famously, they had to cut his suit, didn't they, so they could get into the suit because yeah. he put on so much weight. It, 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 one of the by, byproducts of taking a lot of heroin, apparently, is you just eat vast numbers of Mars bars. Yeah. So he sat in a, That's in my a house somewhere. <laughs> That's right. Just eating vast amounts of chocolate, and, and there's a huge that letter kind of dart into the back of the trousers so you could get into them. Oh, I wouldn't know about that. Yeah. I enjoy a, Sadly, the old not, not seeing the pictures. <laughs> so you started, you started in the pit, and you took other pictures in the pit. Yeah, well, I don't actually, know when this, this is. picture was from Earl's Court, I think it's right. 73 or 74, but I was just in the audience, so I just happened to have a slightly better ticket at that point, but it was chance, really. But the things have really changed, haven't they? Because younger groups, the Stones at that stage, would be so confident about their looks that they would allow someone to be in the pit the entire concert. Now you only get three three numbers. Oh, yeah. Because sure. after that, people yeah. start to perspire and the hair gets flat. Yeah, they start to yeah. look terrible. Or I think it's sometimes less than three numbers now. Because they just rush them in at the beginning and they take them straight yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But you... Can you, is there any part of you that can sympathise with the musicians over that, that they don't necessarily want 
a bunch of people no, in I'm between them and the audience. I'm not Aaron. sympathetic at all. I mean, I think it might be better if it was the last three numbers right. rather than the first, because the, sometimes the first three numbers, the band isn't even lit properly. You know, right. they're trying to build everything up. And, you know, it's very often they're not doing anything. It's just they start quietly. And, um, you know, I, I wouldn't want to do it nowadays. But this one, so you, you took this at Earl's Court, and it's, a, it's an extraordinary image. I mean, how many pictures did you take on that particular well, that probably, occasion? Maybe a couple of rolls, a roll of black right, and white, a, a roll of colour. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, how, and when you shoot that many, how many usable pictures will you, are you likely oh, to get? Oh, very few, right. I'm afraid. Right. You know, I mean, I was really stuck just starting. I mean, it was potluck. I mean, I was the kind of person that probably opened the back of the camera whilst the film was still in it. (laughs) I did every... You you know, they say you learn by your mistakes. I made the same mistake many, many times. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's it's interesting to remember that in those days that camera technology was still quite intimidating, wasn't it? You you needed to look at the leaflet and all that kind of stuff. Well, I think photographers wanted it to be like that. They didn't want it to be like it is today where everyone can take a photograph. Because it's kind of removed the career now. Well, I wouldn't want to be a photographer right now because you know on any old iPhone you can take pictures on things which you find light when light isn't even there. I mean, you yeah. can take extraordinarily good pictures yeah. in terrible situations with no skill at all. Now, so, here, here we come to the to the the uh, the period of time that I was talking about that's you know reflected in your book. Tell us about how you how you first came upon this. W- tiny handful of people yeah. uh, that were involved in punk rock in London. I was a very keen music fan, uh, really, throughout the late 60s and the 70s, and I used to go to a lot of gigs, um, usually with my wife. And um, I went to see the Vibrators at Kingston Poly. And um, I was up, went up to the front of the stage like I usually did, and all of a sudden the, the audience started to leap them out and act very strange, you know, spitting and all that kind of thing. And I, I looked at them and I thought, well, this is quite photogenic. I, at that point, because it was such a surprise, I didn't have the gumption just to start photographing them straight away. But I kind of worked up to it. I read about the opening of the Roxy in December 76 and I decided I was going to go down there and photograph... A few punks. So go back with the vibrators. When, when did you go and see the vibrators? This would have been autumn 76. Autumn 76, Because yeah. the interesting thing about this picture of many interesting things is that the people in the audience there are not punk rockers. You know, not they're, really. They're, they're no. just the people who go to that club and they could have just as easily been seeing Rugalator yeah. or Bees Make Honey or whatever. Well, I think the, here's the, damned. the early punks were a little bit like that. Richard Strange is right in the middle there. You oh, can right. see him. Just here. Which one? That one. Oh, yeah, with the big uh, nose. Yeah, yeah. Went oh, on right. to be the executioner in Robin Hood, the movie, yeah. didn't he? Kevin Cosmo yeah. movie. So when is this and where is this? This is at the Roxy and it would be in the first hundred days of the Roxy. Right, so this opened in late 1976. It was December 15th, I think, or 16th. Right, right. So it's, it's interesting that the, it's still dated as kind of punk rock, you know, AD 1976. Yeah, yeah. But actually it happened later, didn't it, really? Well, uh, the punks seemed to think 76 was the year. Everybody else, it was 77. And then if you go up north, it was 79, 80, 81. Right. 
So, <laughs> you get to the west coast of America, it's probably happening now. Yeah. yeah. So give us an idea of what it was like when you went into this place. Well, it, it was tiny, very, very sweaty club. It was extremely hot. And um, these bits at the top, that's kitchen paper that was wrapped around the pipes. These things. Right. You know, because it was dripping. Why? To stop, it, stop the moisture? It was, no, it was dripping and it was just trying to stop it. It wasn't a very classy place. It's a Speedo store now. Right. Very classy now. Yeah. yeah. So, so what, was it, yeah, what did it feel like in there? What was the kind of mix of people? It did, was, did, it had was, people gone there deliberately or, or they just... I think it was a mixture of punks and just curious people. Because at that point, punk was quite considered to be quite dangerous. It say. wasn't really dangerous, but people... The, the media uh, build-up was for, you know, quite a dangerous thing. Is that one of the things that attracted you about it? I suppose it might have been. I suppose it might have been, if I'm really honest. I mean... Throughout my um, career as a photographer, looking back now, I think I've obviously had... um, A lot of it's very vicarious. Maybe I would have liked to have been a punk if I'd have been a couple of years younger. Maybe if I'd have been a little bit more of an alpha male, I would have been a skinhead. Um, If I'd have been a bit older, I might have been a hippie. If my parents had a, enough money to buy me a scooter, I would have been a mod, you know, so... But you're not bitter about missing out on all these, <laughs> all these opportunities. That's the not main really, thing. No. <laughs> so you, you were just wandering amongst these people, you know, having been to see Eric Clapton and probably Bees May Cunning or whatever. Did, how, did, how did these people regard you? They were, they were fine. They were always very nice to me. I mean, um, mostly very polite. I mean, I, I got uh, spat on a few times and... Um, Occasionally worse, but um, you know it was it was okay, pretty much. Worse than spat on. Well, yes, yeah, it's it probably not not good for oh, okay. going on the radio. Though. Oh, right. <laughs> well, we'll I'll tell you after. Use our imagination. Yeah. Right. Okay, but actually, I mean, really, they were mostly looking for attention, were they? I mean, the, I, I suppose would have they, they would have really welcomed being photographed. But yeah, no, I've made that monstrous they were... effort to dress up. You might as well. You know, Mo- most people were fine. In... Yeah, yeah. And where were you? Were you managing to place these pictures for publication? No, not them? to begin with. No, I just did it because I felt a compulsion. But um, probably by the summer of '77, I'd read in either Enemy or Sounds that Andy Chizowski, the guy that ran the Roxy, was going to do a, a record. And um, so I rang him up. I don't know where I got his number from and um, said, I've got a lot of pictures from the club. And he said to me, well, we don't need them. We've got them all already, but bring them in anyway. And um, so I did, and they ended up going on the, the record and in the book, 100 Nights at the Roxy. Right. Did you, were you approached by the people whose pictures you were taking, saying, can I have a, a copy of that? No, well, very People rarely. were not bothered about that. No, no, what, what, I mean, occasionally they did, yeah. Yeah, occasionally. And I was ha- quite happy to provide them with prints. Right. Who's this? This is Pauline, Pauline from Pen- Pauline. Penetration. Yeah. So when would this be? This would be in the spring of 77 as well. Right. So she, they'd come down from, where was their Middlesbrough or somewhere like that? Yeah, certainly. Yeah, she wore a parach- parachute uh, suit or something. What is she actually wearing? It's extraordinary. I don't know. Any I'm, idea? I really, I have no idea. <laughs> it, it's interesting looking at these pictures 
the, 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 none of this stuff, like, the, the, there's a good example, actually. None of that stuff that anybody's wearing has been manufactured for them in a, in a, in a, no, in a high street. No, it, they, they, Whatever they, they're wearing, they, they, they DIY'd themselves. Yeah, they, that was the, very much the punk aesthetic to yeah. begin with. It was do it yourself. Yeah. Do you get any idea of what kind of people they were, or what was their background, or what had got them there? Did I'd you... say m- mostly young, working class kids that wanted to listen to the music. Keen music fans. So it was the music was rather than the dressing I up. I think it was mostly the music. It was quite exciting music, I think. Very fast, very loud, quick. Um, yeah, I think it was really the music. But you had to have nerve to dress like that in 1976. Yes, certainly, yeah. <laughs> Some of those girls would have come straight from work with their stuff in a carry bag and got changed in the Roxy toilets, yeah. presumably. Well, I, I mean, some of them didn't even bother getting changed. Some of them came on the bus like that Looking anyway. Like that. Which was incredibly yeah. threatening at the time, wasn't it? I suppose A real so. statement. Yeah, 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 I suppose so. You've yeah. got to have a little bit of balls to get on the bus yeah. looking like that. So, I mean, these, where did you take this? That was at the Roxy as well. Most of these photos in the book are either from the Roxy or the Vortex, a few from other places like the Roundhouse and the Man in the Moon pub in Chelsea. So what are they doing here, just sitting down at the end of a gig? Or... Yeah, well, they would lark about, and um, I photographed them whilst they were larking about, and they probably finished larking about. <laughs> right. Resting. So were they kind of performing for you? I think they were really performing anyway, a little bit, yeah, yeah. Right. Because it is quite a significant group of people, isn't it? Because yeah. they, they did this on their own, quite a small number of people. They didn't yeah. read about this anywhere, did Not they? really, no, no. I think... Uh, the media did have some involvement in winding everybody up because there were some other photographs from the punk wars when um, the punks wandered up and down King's Road in Chelsea and gangs of rockers and uh, mods. But then it all became, a, you know, a commodity. There was something yes. that was... There was uh, the sound of sirens were back in Islington. Yeah. Um, but it, you, know, you could buy postcards of people with giant Mohicans and all that. Yeah, sure. So it yeah. all changed. I mean, I don't think there was any Mohicans early 77, probably late 77, 78 and onwards. I think it Mohican. says in the introduction to this book, there are no Mohicans. No, no, there weren't any. I, <laughs> I did not that I saw That was anyway. the kind of second phase, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, sure, yeah. yeah. There's, there's another thing in the introduction which I thought was interesting was that the guy who wrote it uh, said that he thought that, that punk rock was the most significant event that had happened in London's musical history. Is that yeah. something you agree with? Well, most probably not, no. <laughs> <laughs> he's welcome to his But you allowed it to go through. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's welcome well, to his It's his point of view. It's his point of view. You could say Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, really, I'm an old hippie. Everything happened for me in the summer of love. Right, right. The first summer of love. You're among friends, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> But you, you didn't resent any of this at all. You didn't. You didn't. I enjoyed it. I right. Mean, yeah. I mean, it's just a little bit too old. I was two or three years too old to be a punk myself. I thought. But I suppose it's only because you were two or three years too old that you bothered to take a camera. Maybe. Yeah. Other than yeah. Uh, maybe I, I. I really wish I'd have had a camera in the the late sixties. Certainly. Yeah. So tell us about these. Yeah. Do you remember looking at Debbie these? Harry here? Where's, where do you take that? That picture? was at the Hammersmith Odeon when they played Blondie played with television, and that was another one where I just ran down the front. So they supported television, did they? 
I well, I think did. it was a... I must have been there. I'm not sure whether which one supported the other one, but it was a good, very good gig. Yeah. So you just tore down the front? Yeah, yeah. Took a picture? Yeah. Didn't have to sign a, a form saying, you know... No, I didn't have to sign a one-year PR release. Um, copyright. Allowing them copyright approval and <laughs> no, photo approval. No, nothing like that. Who is he on the far right? Is that Billy Idol, top yeah, right? Yeah, that was the first first night, and you can just see on the left Dave Bennett, famous paparazzi. Oh, yeah. Did you get the impression that he was particularly, you know, gifted, ex- extravagantly, you know, in any way going to... Do you think he was going to be a future star? Because... So at that stage, most people on stage could almost be members of the audience. They could have got up there and started yeah. singing. You know? No, I, uh, I'm not really able to judge. I mean, someone like um, Susie, Susie from Susie and the Banshees, it was really did seem to be quite amateur when they started. But in a, in a way, I quite like that because it was very pared back and minimalist. Uh, I think they were actually better in those days, myself. Sorry to say but I suppose it's inevitable, isn't it, that people want to stay in that business, don't they? Yeah. Because yeah. the great irony of the of the punk generation is that is when they came along, their message to the Rolling Stones or whoever was, you've been around too long. Yeah. Of course, they're all around just as long. Still, as the Rolling Spears is, is playing in some <laughs> venue near to us right now. You know. Yeah. Um, you know. You know. Because once you get in there and you become famous, they want to continue yeah. being famous. The they thing don't want about to stop this. half of the punks, they didn't hate those bands anyway. It was just a, a yeah. position they were taking. Yeah. I went to see Adam and the Ants about two years ago at the Hammersmith Odeon, and uh, that was fantastic because there he is, in fact. Um, because you had two two parts of the audience. There was the kind of dandy highwayman pop supporters who were now all about in the late 40s and 50s. And then you had the old original, you know, Dirk wears white socks punks who are now all, you know, mostly Adam's age, and he's 60. And uh, some with green hair still, you know, and chains. It was fantastic. And some who clearly got a proper job. The, the but, Ants, when they started, before it was Adam and the Ants at this point, they were a very good band. It was more R&B than punk, though, I think. They were a very good band. That was the group that was stolen to be in, uh, um, whatever they're called, Malcolm McCarran's other group. Bow Wow Wow. Bow Wow Wow, absolutely, yeah. Who's that bottom right? Anybody significant? No, no, they're, they're, that's from the Vortex in Wardour Street. Do you ever think about... Or do you ever bump into any of these people nowadays? On Facebook, yes, I do. Oh, really? Um, so people get in woman, touch? Um, on top right here, her name's Helen. She was 15 when I photographed her. Uh, I just had one frame, and last year I found out who she was, and she was able to send me um, a picture of herself getting ready in the hotel earlier that same day with wearing the same clothes. It's it is fantastic. quite amazing, the magic of Facebook. Seriously? Yeah, sure. That's where old punks meet up. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, how old are these people nowadays? Do you ever well, think of I guess it's 39 years later, uh, but some of them don't look any different, really. What do you Believe it or not. What, do you, you bump into these people and they still dress like this? No, no, but they, 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 facially they don't look 39 see. years different. Right. There, there, there was a, I don't know whether you've got a picture of um, the woman that's on the flyer for the... Um, Possibly not. For the photographer's gallery, um, Punk Weekender. Well, I, I just did two frames of her in Wardour Street in 1978 and I, I met her again about three weeks ago and... Fantastic. Went down the pub with her, chatted about typography all evening. 
That sounds thrilling. <laughs> her, her dad's a like famous like designer. Yeah, yeah. This picture yeah. here of the with police um, what, arresting somebody. Where's yeah, this? Yeah, they were. Uh, that was down in Kings Road. Uh, they're just arresting her. She's probably done nothing wrong. But well, she, what she'd done is probably just dress up like that, which is yeah, something you sure, forget yeah. now. That, that yeah. it, it, it it nobody, nobody with such a conventional age that we live in now, you would you would never see anybody dressed in a manner that would get them arrested. Yeah, I mean, it just wouldn't happen, would it? No, I wouldn't have thought so at all. Yes. Now you, you you then you then kind of move on in the early eighties, taking yeah. pictures of the the kind of burgeoning new romantic well yes i went scene. to billy's um and photographed the uh, bowie nights that they had there which was the start of uh, the new new romantics it was run by rusty egan and steve strange and um i went there one night and they'd moved on they didn't think to tell me first because i was never really an insider i was always really on the outside looking in and i found a few of the skinheads there and they came over to me and asked me to take some photographs of them and that led to five years of photographing skinheads. So they were in Billy's too? They were, yeah. That's kind yeah. of, so all at the same time? So you had not, coexisting? Not the, no, no. The, the, all the really cool new romantics had moved on but right. I didn't find out about that and that I found a few of the second division <laughs> new romantics and a lot like, of skinheads. I like the idea of you turning up too late. I think it was really good. Oh, I was either t- too <laughs> early or blouses too disappearing out of the door. <laughs> Tea towels. Yeah. <laughs> Peacock feathers. That's brilliant. But you, you followed the skinheads for quite a few years. For a while, years, they asked me to come so down will and you take follow photographs. <laughs> well, not, not, they didn't ask me to follow them. They just said, well, okay, we'll, you know, you can come along to... South End at the bank holiday and, you know, there'll probably be quite a lot of us down there and there might be a ruck, so you should come along. <laughs> How did you feel about the prospect of that? Well, you telling I, your wife, I'm going, I'm going away for the weekend no, hoping for uh, a ruck with, with my I, mates. When I first met these skinheads, I thought they were some kind of art school revivalists. I didn't believe how fundamentally unusual they were. They, they had some very, very odd social and political views and it took me a, a while to comprehend that. So you thought they were fakes, basically? Not really fakes, I just thought they were dressing up. But it, oh, right. as I found out they weren't dressing up at all. Did you get any pictures of the ultra-violence that you're talking about? No, no, I, I made a decision quite early on that I didn't want my um, uh, presence to affect anyone getting hurt so I yeah. wouldn't take any photographs of anyone fighting but the thing was I didn't really see any fighting anyway the old hippie in you coming out here yeah? <laughs> well uh, maybe the, uh, I mean I, I very very nearly got beaten up many times but uh, I think I had an angel on my shoulder the whole way through if I'd have known then what I know now I wouldn't even have started beaten up for doing what just simply being there just by being there I and mean, with a camera well, I went to um, South End with them and a guy, a guy just walked over and kicked me straight in the balls without even saying hello, you know. That's lovely, isn't it? <laughs> that was his introduction. Yeah. But uh, Breaks the eyes of And afterwards he tried to take my camera off me as well, you know. So it was a bit of a wrestling match yeah. and surrounded by a lot of other laughing skinheads, you know. But um, eventually I managed to talk him round. But as, we, as we've, you know, had, had calls to remark and in various podcasts over the years, 
What people do forget is late 70s, early 80s, gig going in Britain was a potentially it was violent, a lot of violence, business, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was a dangerous business. Well, there were never any fights that I saw at the Roxy, but there was always a fight in the Vortex. There was a bit more space. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The Stranglers used to have Hell's Angels as their personal stage bodyguards. It's never a good Which idea. is antagonistic. So, yeah. yes, you know. Now, here, you, 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 this is interesting because there's a bunch of people who, who, who emerge from the new romantic yeah, audience, sure. I suppose, yeah. to become stars. Tell us about these people. Well, Marilyn, top left. Where's um, that taken? That was outside his squat. Well, the squat he shared uh, in with Car- Boy George. In, yeah. Where he shared it with Boy George in Carburton Street. Yeah. Uh, close to the Warren Street um, squats uh, that were quite famous. This is Boy George in Labeat Route, Steve Strange at uh, Billy's, and uh, this guy who's got We Are the Flowers in Your Dustbin tattooed on his forehead. That's Tuenil Barry. Uh, he's no longer around, sadly. So, um, is Marilyn still around? Marilyn, I was going to say, you're not in touch with Marilyn via Facebook, are you? I'd well, no, know what yeah, happened to Marilyn. I suppose so, but... I interviewed him when I was at Smash Hits. Yeah. He had one hit single. Could yeah. Remember Marilyn's hit single? Yeah. I mean, I think he might... He, he is recording again now. Good Lord. Yeah. Yeah, he's um, looking quite cheerful. Right. Talking yeah. to stories that people will tell you later on, you know, if you buy Mark Ellen a drink, he'll tell you a story about Marilyn and Jim will fix it. Oh, <laughs> Which is, you know... It's a very long and involved story. Yeah, Jim, God bless him, fixed it for Marilyn to be on the cover of Smash Hits with a 15-year-old girl who'd always wanted to be on the cover with what a pop star. Could possibly what go could wrong possibly go wrong? Jim, Marilyn, who uh, our, li- our lawyers will allow me to tell you was addicted to heroin at the time. <laughs> Chatting up all the people in reception who were yeah, dressed as uh, firemen. Anyway, that was... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, another time. Yeah, pop music was interesting in those days. Uh, was this the time that George George was working in the foundry, the clothes shop? Or had he just been... off Carnaby Street. Yes, yes, yes it was. So he yeah, was. Yeah. It was just at the point where he stopped being George O'Dowd and became Boy George. Boy George. Yeah. A slight transition. Yeah. So he was always... It's interesting, because we used to see him, because Smash Hits office was around the corner from yeah. the foundry. Yeah, 100 yards yeah. from the foundry. So we'd sit in, see him sitting in the window, yeah. this, this guy, and he was just acting like a superstar. We While thought it was fantastic. We actually got a photograph of him, put him in the magazine, and huge amounts of mail. People just wanted more pictures of him, which is precisely what the job you were doing, really, yeah. by photographing those people and getting their pictures published in whichever magazines. What would it have been, the face of that time? The face, yeah. Yes, it was, uh, yeah. Time out occasionally yeah, as well. Yeah. yeah, Because there was then this, this big movement towards, I think, ID magazine probably pioneered this as much as anything else. Yeah. Kind of, what do they call them straight-ups, these pictures? That's right. That's right people yeah. in the street, you know, where did you get your clothes? What, what are you Who are you? How old are you? Where have you come from? Yeah. You know? Because everybody had a story then. Yeah. You can't do it nowadays. Where do you get your clothes? wanted to dress like Where do you get your clothes? The Gap. <laughs> so the Gap yeah. tells you nothing about the person <laughs> at all. It's, uh, you know, they, 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 people put a lot of effort into that stuff in those days, didn't they? Yeah, sure. So... Just to, I was just. Is it Robbie Williams? Who is this it? is Robbie yeah. Williams. Oh, yeah. yeah, not Robin Williams. Here. Robin. Uh, uh, I just picked out a few, a few of your uh, kind of uh, celebrity butchers. Yeah, because you've you've obviously moved on from taking pictures of the audience to taking. Although you still do this, do you? I mean, what's it you do? A I, wide I, range I, I, do, I don't take any photographs of rock stars or celebrities anymore. But I had um, 
25 years of it and really enjoyed it. I Actually, I enjoyed every moment of it. It was fantastic. Travelling about the world at other people's expense, you'll, you probably know about all Absolutely. That. <laughs> I think we're going to have more, more of that later in the evening with Sylvia, actually. Yeah. The, the, but it's quite interesting, this. So when, would you, when did you take this? That was probably the late 90s. Right, OK. Yeah. No, and he was a, fine, he was just acting up. No, no, sure, I wasn't yeah. just... No, it's just interesting, isn't it, how they, this became the kind of new standard way for a rock star to yeah. have their picture taken, you know. Yeah. I'll flick the fingers was, at you. It was a famous... It'll make me a rock star, won't yeah. it? Yeah. You know, because yeah. you look, think about the Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash, it was a famous picture of Johnny Cash giving the middle yeah. finger. Yeah. San Quentin Prison or something, was it? He was doing a big yeah, yeah, it was Jim Marshall. Jim Marshall. But well, I don't he, think he, he was... He looks like that wasn't published for a long time. It was considered to be so over the top. Yeah, it was kind of risque, and then post Punk. It was kind of that's yeah. your standard. That's almost being friendly, isn't it? Well, there really? was a there was a middle finger on a early Moby Grape album, and they had to paint it out. Oh yes, oh. Yeah. yes they did. <laughs> that, but you've also I'm, I'm just intrigued by this um, because a lot of the time you you've worked with just quite simple setups. Is that fair to say? You've, uh, you, you'll turn up and you'll. You just yeah. take a picture of them wherever they happen to be. Well, th- this was whilst they were doing a pop video. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. I was seeing. I think so it, might Shop ba- Boys. it might be Battersea Park. Oh, right. You can't remember. Certainly in that area, yeah. Oh, right. So you weren't responsible for saying to them, I tell you what, boys. No. Uh, put on, you know, uh, conical hats and uh, get in a rowing boat. Yeah, why why no, do they do that? Is it because they think that... Uh, although we do know them, actually, but, uh, but what, what, is, it because they, is it because they think they're uneventful to photograph? No, I think why? it was... I think the director of the pop video had the idea and they'll storyboard it. And they, some of their pop videos were very elaborate and brilliant, really. But, I mean, this looks quite... pastoral, really, doesn't it? <laughs> the, the video wasn't like that at all. It was quite futuristic. <laughs> What's the, what's the most significant picture you've ever taken of anybody? If I can put you on the spot. I don't know, um, really. If The Guardian was to ring you up for their... The, my greatest picture, whatever that oh, feature well, they, they, they already the have done. It's a couple what did you... of, it was a couple kissing in Gossips. Oh, right. Taken in 1979, and I just picked that. You know, it was first out of the But a, an individual, uh, you know, well, a, I really, a well-known I musician? I did enjoy photographing Keith Richards because he was so nice. Oh, we have a picture of Keith Richards. And coming quite up. sweet. Yeah. And I went with my wife because she insisted on assisting me. And he was very nice to her as well. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very warm. He was the first person that ever said to me, are you sure you've got enough? And I felt he really meant it. Good grief. That's How great. long did you have? Probably an hour. You, you had know. an hour? Yeah, maybe even longer. You're, you're very <laughs> fortunate. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I, once seen, I once saw the Rolling Stones do an entire photo session for Mike Potland, I think, in a hotel room in, uh, in Kensington in about three minutes. Yeah. yeah. You know, well, they I've just had shambled into the room, got themselves into a pose, and then as soon as the shutter was about to go, Mick just stuck his... His head forward like that, yeah. so they looked the most prominent on the picture. And they were yeah. so practiced in doing it, you know. And then that's your lot, yeah. you know. You're gone. Whereas you had an hour there. I, I'd say, yeah, a good hour. Yeah, it was fantastic. But I bet in every single one of those pictures, he, he was getting across that kind of brooding, kind of buccaneer. I suppose he was, yeah, vibe, which he just brilliantly does. Yeah, no, he does. Yeah. Yeah, no, he was... Um... Who was it who said? Was it Mick Brown once said, uh, he's not so much a man who uh, uh, burns the candle at both ends, but applies a blowtorch to the middle. 
Is that right? As <laughs> good as so. new. Yeah. I think so. Because this is, this is before he had the, 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 the stuff in his hair, is that right? Well, Anton Corbyn, who's a pal of mine, uh, photographed him around that time, and he was complaining about the fact that he had little lacerations on his, he used to wake up in the morning and have little cuts on his face, and Anton had to point out that this was directly connected with the razor blades and little daggers that he had hanging in his hair. And maybe you should put little bits of gaffer tape around them before he went to bed at night. So it was an extraordinary yeah. thing. He went, oh, yeah, you might have a point, you know. Go back to the Spike, Spike Milligan picture. That's brilliant, though. Yeah. So tell us about that one. Is he a big hero of yours, or was he no, big No, he or? was... My dad was a big fan. Um, I... When I met him, I introduced myself and said, how are you? And he said to me, why? What do you, why do you want to know? Are you a doctor? But <laughs> apparently he said that to everybody. Yes, so, sure. <laughs> He was, he was nice, but I felt a little sad, you know. Which you've caught there. Yeah. yeah. I'm not really sure why, but... Um, is I, that in his home? Is that, is that no, hotel? I think that might have been at his agent's yeah. place, which was near um, Marvel Arch. Agent manager. Yeah. He, he shared one, I think, with um, somebody else in names. I've forgotten now, yeah. sorry. Was Eric Sykes? Yes, that was Eric, Eric Sykes. Sykes was there. Yeah, as well. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just want to finish with with the picture that is is probably not not typical. Yeah, <laughs> but I just picture. picked it out the ones you sent me because I thought, well, it's the European Championship. So <laughs> what was the purpose? Well, of that? Did you have a particular this? brief? This was for loaded. I think they just wanted to get. Um, uh, the Spice Girls pretending to be footballers as, as in a lineup, as though they were about to have a free kick um, shot towards hey, them. But uh, yeah, yeah um, the the story that I have to tell here is that uh, Victoria, um, at the time, she didn't have a, a a football team, so she wasn't too sure what uh, team she should shirt she should wear. Someone showed her a photograph of David Beckham and she decided to be a... a um, Man, Man United yeah. supporter. Yeah, and um, so I think I am in directly responsible for those two good getting work. together. That's brilliant. That's very good work. It really is. Very good work. This is extraordinary here, actually, because with, with Sylvia, we're going to finish up with the picture of the Beckhams as well. We, we are. This is conceptual. It's, it's absolutely perfect. When is this... I think that was maybe 95, 96, something right. like that. Now, what were they like to photograph? They were fine, yeah, but perfectly pleasant, friendly people. I don't have anything bad to say about No, 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 I wasn't. No, no, no Dave, Dave was saying earlier to me that, that you know, the, we have great fondness for the Spice Girls. So I like you put it, that they escape with their money and their sanity. It seems to me, yeah. if everybody has been through the pot mill, the, the Spice Girls, they win. Because they came out with the money and their sanity and their fame. Actually. Yeah, Obviously. and they were brilliant. They and came they're not the figures of fun, you know. When we when we were at EMAP, they came into the when they started out. They came into the building where all the magazines were, and they went up to Smash Hits magazine, knocked on the door, and said, "We're the Spice Group called the Spice Girls. Can we come and sing in your office?" And Smash Hits said, "No." Do you remember? <laughs> Sorry, we're trying to. We're a bit busy as you're doing some work, you know. <laughs> I'm just transcribing my uh, my blur feature or whatever it was. <laughs> and so they went to Big Magazine around the corner, do you remember? And then did. A cappella did their first two singles. Yeah. Which is fantastic, really. 
And that's where they got the name of... Uh, that's where they got the name of Posh, Scary and so forth. Yes, well, it's it was from... Was it uh, Number One magazine? No, it was another magazine. Uh, it was top of the, I thought it was Top of the Box magazine. Peter Lorraine, wasn't it? Right, I think, yeah. I think uh, Gay, yeah. who has the, uh, the honour of giving them that name. But, yeah. uh, but you played an important part in bringing together, together Posh and Bex, you know... The marriage of the century. So, you know, that's, that's a heck of a thing. Uh, that's not reflected in this book, but lots of other stuff that we talked about is. And, uh, and I'm sure if you'd like a copy and like to get it signed, Derek would be only too happy to do that. Uh, the book's called Punk London, 1977. Would you please show your Copies appreciation? Copies are available. Derek Ridges. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Derek. This podcast was brought to you by The Word. Listen to this Acast show ad-free on Amazon Music with your Prime membership or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.